Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Turn to your neighbour wherever you are or just shout out to the screen, I'm ready for end times. I'm ready for end times. I want to take you this morning or this afternoon or whatever time it is that you're a part of this service I want to take you to a time and who knows when it's going to be, past all the problems and the pressures, past the obvious dysfunctions and even despair that it's abounding in our world right now, past all the opinions, past all the controversies to a day that the Bible calls the day of the Lord. It's called the day of the Lord that day. It speaks about a time when everything you know will have its culmination, its fulfilment in the return of Jesus Christ. It's also referred to in Scripture as the great hope of the church. So let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, a few verses here, verse 13. Often these verses are only aired at a funeral service but they actually speak to your day and mine right now. The Apostle writing under the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit says this, But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That means that they've died. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the Word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another With these words, think about what's coming up in this day of the Lord. Now, it's been for thousands of years, people of all kinds of backgrounds, both secular and spiritual. I remember, uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I remember a full page ad in the daily paper coming out, somebody somewhere or other had taken out an entire page of every capital city newspaper in Australia to announce the end of the world. And they put a date on it. Well, that date came and went and apparently they were wrong because we're all still here. They weren't Christian. That was just somebody who had an idea or a theory about it. Lots of people, Christians and otherwise, have been predicting the end of the world over all these thousands of years. Anybody here old enough to remember Y2K? Remember how everything was going to happen? Your toaster wouldn't work. Your plane would fall out of the sky. So nobody flew that day. 
It was all kinds of stuff going on around about the world. All these kind of things that, well, I'm not even going to start into all of those. It seems to me like whenever a crisis looms in our world, people naturally ask, is this it? And in the times of uncertainty, all kinds of ideas and theories get tossed about. This is all a hoax. Heard that one? How many people have heard that Bill Gates is behind all of this? There's a chip. How many people have heard it's the CIA? It's the KGB. Now, maybe you subscribe to those theories. Knock yourself out. But even the apostles were not immune to wondering. Jesus is physically risen from the dead, standing in front of them, telling them about their mission. And I want you to hear what their response is because they're not really thinking about their now, they're wondering about their tomorrow and their future. Acts 1 verse 6, Therefore when they come together, they asked Him saying, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples are wondering, please don't think I'm making fun of people that wonder or maybe toss an idea around. I understand exactly because the apostles were no different. Though the resurrected Lord is standing in front of them, their attention is distracted by the possibilities that the time in which they were living might be the last time. They were wondering, is this it? Is this what's happening? And so I'm not surprised that right now in the year 2020, that there are people all around the world who are predicting the end. There are people of both secular and spiritual, Christian and not Christian, people of faith and people of no faith that are asking similar kinds of questions. But the message of Jesus to His disciples was don't worry about what's happening out there. Right now, I gotta just say to you that if you are hoping for some tricky, clever little message today that'll help you unravel your newspaper, then you're gonna be sadly, well, not only disappointed, hopefully you'll be gladly inspired. Because I think that the message of Jesus to His disciples is one that the church in 2020 needs to hear today. I believe that if Jesus was standing physically in front of us again, He'd say, don't get so occupied with what's happening out there. You focus on your task. The Father has it all still under His control. The greatest signs of the end are not cosmological. They're not upheaval in the 
environment, the signs and wonders out there. They're not even sociological breakdown or political environmental factors, though all of those things are mentioned in Scripture as signs of the coming of the end. But the greatest sign of the days we live in being the days closer to the end are what God is doing in and through His church. There has never been a day like this day where many of you are fancy the fact that right now Chris and Mark Nainby are sitting in a plane and they're a part of Metro Church Online. Like, hello. Is that, we all just go, oh yeah. And I go, hello. I can remember when there was no videos on planes. They'd hand out magazines. And you just wanted to be up near the front because then you got the best pick. Because by the time they got to row 27, there was nothing there but the Qantas mag, you know, or the shopping. Well, they never even had shopping because, well, anyway, let's not go down nostalgia lane here too far. I can remember when there was none of that stuff available. And now we have all of this amazing technology that lets us connect. So you can be Stephanie in Columbia this morning and you don't have to go and say, well, I wish I was back in Perth because Stephanie, you're here with us today. How incredible is that? How amazing that all of this. And yet so often we view those things as being something the world did rather than as something that God has organised so that the church can do what the church needs to do. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 in the message version, I think is one of the most remarkable couple of verses in the Bible. Listen to what it says. Verse 22, He, that's Jesus, is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the centre of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world would love to tell you that the church is irrelevant, that somehow or other what we do is like some sideline issue. But from God's perspective, it's not the world that's in the centre, it's the church. The church, you see, verse 23, is not peripheral to the world, the world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts by which He fills everything with His presence. Now you may have grown up where the church was some kind of social construct, an organisation, a club, if you will, of believing people. But the Bible says that the church is referred to in the most intimate of terms that humanity can imagine. Number one, the church is called His body. There is nothing more intimate to you than your own body because it's you. Hello? Huh? And then to say, this is my bride, 
we still to this day, despite all the predictions that marriage would die out, Australians and people all around the world by the millions every year say, I want to get married. I want to have that closeness and that connection. But you know, though we are the body and though the church is the bride, there's a purpose for the body. It's not just a couch set. It's not simply to veg out, but the body's got a purpose and the bride has a purpose. Matthew 24, verse 10. If you want an end time scripture, grab a hold of this one. If you want to know, is it today? Is it this afternoon? Well, the answer is, I don't think so. Why? Because Matthew 24, verse 10 says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then shall the end come. In other words, God's not waiting for the world to line up technologically, sociologically, mark of the beast, you know, one world thingy, you know, cashless society. So many people go, oh, you know, we had no cash in the last three months. It's the end. Can I tell you, according to that Scripture, I'm, I'm really not trying to make fun of that, but I want to help you shift your focus to go, what's God waiting for? And He's not waiting for the banks to organise their data. Are you with me? Now, I realise today I might be stepping on a few people's corns. Maybe the sacred cow you've been tending for many moons today is headed to the abattoir. There's a metal picture right there, isn't there? Come along with me, oh sacred cow. Move on. Yeah, totally. Huh? Think about it a minute. According to the Scripture, the Gospel of the Kingdom's got to get preached to every people group and then the end comes. In other words, what's God waiting for? He's waiting for the church to reach. He's waiting for the church to get into its purpose. He's waiting for the bride to wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to do what I'm meant to be doing. That's why I believe as a church, uh, you know, we shouldn't be ignorant of what's happening, but don't put all your focus and your energy there. Put all your focus and your energy, your prayers, your resources into what God is doing. Jesus never said, I will build a missionary outfit. He said, I'll build my church. It's never changed in 2,000 years. He's still building the thing that He's coming back for. He says, come on, church, get yourself activated. By all means, read, study, but don't let that be the determining factor. He, listen, I don't care what the world does. If the church doesn't do what it's meant to do, He's not coming back regardless because He is not following the timetable of international banks. Just chucking it out there. Mm. Jesus is not coming back for awaiting people. Hold the fort, for I am coming. Jesus signals still. Wave the answer back to heaven. <laughs> God behind my grocery wheel. God help us save it. Jesus goes out of God. Can't get any worse. And Jesus looks down and goes, like, can you imagine 
can you imagine walking down the aisle to a bride who's kind of like, going, oh, God, oh, this is so terrible. I don't think, oh, God. I've seen plenty of brides cry, but none of them cried going, oh, God, I hate this. Get me out of here. Beam me up, Scotty. Jesus is not coming back for awaiting people. He's coming back for a reaching people. Amen. Speaking of weddings, eight months ago, I had the pleasure, the privilege, the honour of being at the wedding of the beautiful Nikki Blaine and Luke Johnson, two wonderful people. I was there when they became Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. And I thought today we might have a little reprise, a little revisit. If you're here, come on, wherever you are, welcome. Here they are. Here, hold a second here. Something just not quite, there's something not quite the same. Oh, I don't remember that eight months ago, Nick. How many of you here looking at that would just simply go, hold a second, time out, something out of place. Huh? Do your ballerina thing. Huh? I, I can always tell a ballet dancer because when you talk to them, they're standing like this. I just look at their feet and go, you're a ballet dancer, aren't you? And they go, how'd you know? And I go, just, I know things. Do the guys do that as well? Not so much, huh? Yeah. How is it? How's the eight months? Well, I can tell, hey, you, you just, you, you like the, you scooped the pool, didn't you, huh? huh? You won lotto. You, we, we in Australia, we say someone punched above their weight. But I wouldn't say that about Luke because Luke was well and truly up there as well. And what a fine, fine couple. Is he a good husband? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to ask you about that one. But see, when someone comes walking down the aisle, just show us again. We look at it and we go, hello, what were the bridesmaids thinking? Where was the chief bridesmaid saying, Nick, Nick, you forgot your shoes. You still got your wellies on. Because if she walked down the aisle like that, we're all going to go, mm-mm. Something's not quite right. Jesus is coming back for a bride that's not only reaching, He's coming back for a bride that's ready. And when you and I, Jesus is not going to come walking down the aisle and we haven't done our makeup. Got a little bit of breakfast hanging off the corner of the mouth. Teeth are a bit fungusy, a little bit green. Haven't trimmed, well, we won't just start going there, will we? Like, hello, you know, haven't. And, you know, the bridal outfit's got a big stain on it from the baked beans on toast yesterday. Wonderful. What a beautiful dress, by the way, because I better say that because all the ladies particularly, they're going, beautiful dress. Why doesn't he talk about the dress? Forget the gumboots. I love the dress. I know the way this works. The veil falling off, is it? You didn't put it. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. Don't worry about it. You don't need it anymore. 
There's something wrong, isn't there? When you look at it and you go, mm. and it's exactly the same for us. Jesus wants His church to be ready. He's not just coming back for the reaching. Ephesians 5 verse 27 says this, Husbands, love your wives. Right there, that Luke, I think it's the worst verse in the whole Bible. I really do. If it just stopped there and said, Husbands, love your wives, I'd go, got it. But it doesn't. It keeps going. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And I would go, wow, you're kidding, right? Like that is so way hard. Like Christ loved the church. He gave Himself for it. And you go, wow, what a big deal. He obviously loved the church. That He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. In other words, everything fits. Everything's right. Thank you so much for coming today. Hold a second, we've got something for you. Because how can you have a wedding without flowers? My pleasure. Congratulations. Oh, yes, sorry. Hold a second, hold a second. So I now pronounce you husband and wife. And here's my bit. If ever you get me to marry you, this is the way it goes. You know the line, don't you? And now you may kiss your bride while we all watch. Where you go. And then, hold a second, I'll give away another secret. And then I always go, oh, look, sorry. The person up the back there, they weren't quite ready. Would you mind doing it one more time? That's enough now. You can go, yeah. Woohoo. Enough. What did I do all that for? I did that because it's so obvious, isn't it, when something doesn't fit. And if you were to ask me, is Jesus coming back today? I would point to the gumboots of the church and say, no, I don't think He's coming back today. Why? Because there's still some cleaning up. There's still some getting ready. That needs to happen in our life. Amen. There's still a little bit of something that needs to get done when Christians are critical or spiteful or carnal in our ways of thinking. When we still act like that, we just still got our gumboots. Next time you meet a Christian who kind of ventures into those territories, why don't you just gently and quietly lean over to them and say, I think your gumboots are showing. I don't know what in your spiritual life just doesn't fit. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is prompting you about. Maybe it's something in the area of finances. Maybe it's something in the area of relationships where you just know that thing. How many people have ever discovered the Holy Spirit never picks on other people like you want Him to? Amen? Come on. You know, you, you know all of you think that, don't you? I've often gone, Lord, would you tell them? God, give it to them, Lord. Show them. Oh God, let them know their grievous spirit. And then the Lord comes and starts talking to me about something that I go, but that's not as bad as them. And somehow or other, it's almost like he gently and nicely says, forget about them. I'm talking to you. Now I realise that if I'm going to be ready there's a few adjustments that need to take place. I want to pray with you today.
Whatever your thing is, I don't know. But I believe that many of us here in this place, many of us that are a part of this service, we know the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, it's time to leave that behind. Leave the Wellington boots at home. Get the gum boots off, start getting ready for what I want to do. Because end times is not about what's happening out there. It's about what God is doing in here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for every person. Lord, across all of our different cultures, our different backgrounds, our different upbringings, our different environments, our different experiences and the length of time that maybe we've known You or not. The Holy Spirit is the one getting the bride ready for the bridegroom. And so, Lord, we do want to say, Holy Spirit, come and speak. Come and prompt. Come and adjust. Come and get us ready for that day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you're a part of this service and I meet people like this all the time who go, Jeff, would you just help me understand? How do you become a Christian? There's a lot of confusion, believe it or not, about that. Some people think it's, well, you've got to belong to that church. You've got to go to there. You've This ritual, you've got to have had this done to you, for you. You know, when I marry Luke and Nikki, by law in this country, he has to say, Words like this, I call upon these people here present to witness that I, Luke, do take you, Nikki, to be my lawful wedded wife. She has to say the counterpart to that, I, Nikki, do take you, Luke, to be my lawful wedded husband to have and to hold from this day forward, etc. And then by law, I have to say, I pronounce you husband and wife. In other words, you can't get married in Australia without there being a declaration of a yes to the person that you're standing beside. You can't do it. You have to say yes. Well, it's no different when it comes to our relationship with God. He asks us to say yes. He asks us to simply say, Lord, um, I'm going to say yes to you. Here we can do that via yes text if you're in Australia. You simply go to 488 and you can send your yes. Just why yes, that's all it takes. 30 days of a Bible verse and a prayer that you can pray will come to you every morning. Totally free, no strings attached, comes from us, not from anyone else. If you want to, then there's 10-day series that follow that for another 50-something weeks or, or sets. And so there's a lot of help for you there. If you're outside of Australia, you just go to yes.metrochurch.org.au and if you go there and send there your yes, then the same material will come to you. Because following Jesus is not just a moment that you forget any more than for Luke. Can you imagine Luke and Nikki going their separate ways, going, we married them, and then Luke goes, oh, well, off to work, see ya. And then they don't see each other anymore. You go, how nuts would that be? Hello? They don't do that. Luke and Nikki go off together as the one they've now become. Now, is it the same one? that they, they are now experiencing or will in 10 years' time? No, it's not because they are going to change, but their oneness won't change. And it's exactly the same when you say yes to Jesus. You start 
a relationship with God that will grow and will change and will develop. But your oneness started at that moment you said yes. I pray you'll say yes. I really do. I pray you'll say yes to Christ. I pray that the people you love, you're praying for, that they'll say yes. Hey, that's probably a little different. Well, maybe if you've been a part of Metro Church or Metro Church Online, you probably go, no, that's exactly what I expected. Something out of left field. Well, maybe sometime I'll go through all the tricky bits of end times. Or maybe I'm just going to leave you and I to go, God, if you're waiting on us, I want to start getting ready for that great day. Amen. Here's Pastor Bruce coming to lead us in ministry time. If you're in the building and you want to go, you need to go. God bless you as you do.